Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to episode seven of uh, the Impact Investing Podcast. Um, so this week, it's been a big week for big oil. Um, you've all seen the, the headlines coming through about the record profits for the, uh, for the oil companies. Um, Chevron, Shell, Exxon, BP, and Total have reported a combined 60 billion in, uh, in net profits. And if you look at Exxon specifically, that equates to $2,245 per second per day in the quarter, which, Matthew, is equivalent to 197 pairs of handpants, which is <laughs> underwear for your hands. And it's basically stuff that they're selling in the US for $11 a piece that you wear underneath your glove. So you're not naked underneath your glove. How do you feel about that? I don't... Uh, <laughs> hander pants. Hander pants. New concept on Look me. Look it up on eBay. You might get yourself a pair. $11. <laughs> Are you sponsored by them? The podcast may be next week. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we well, we ended last week saying that one of the one of the effects of high oil prices was obviously record profits for for big oil companies, um, you know, this morning, BP posted their Q2 results. That was their second, an eight and a half billion of profit in mm. a quarter. So in three months, they've made yeah. eight and a half billion of pure profit after after all expenses. And that's their second highest quarter ever. So, And the highest one before that was the quarter before. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then, you know, last week we had Shell announce their record ever quarterly profit 11 and a half billion dollars and we ended the we ended last week's project on the on the on the hope that that would result in announcements huge announcements on clean energy investments mm-hmm. but that hope was not realized because what they've actually done is they've announced huge share buyback schemes yeah. and huge increase in dividend payments to shareholders so effectively yeah. for those who don't know share buyback is a is it is where the company buys back their own shares off the market. Mm-hmm. So effectively, in future, any profits are divided across a smaller number of shares. So effectively, if you're a shareholder and you keep on to your shares and don't let the company buy them back off you, your share price should go up yeah. and your share of future dividends and profits would go up as well. So yeah. so what they've what they're spending all this money on is returns to their shareholders. Yeah. And one of the positives on that I heard today on the on the BBC this morning was that Basically, most UK pension schemes mm. are shareholders in BP and Shell. Because they still invest in big oil. So Your pension, that's so, what it still is. So it's whether you see it as positive or a negative. Yeah. But the the uh, big investment that we'd hoped for into renewables doesn't look like it's on the cards. Yeah. And neither does any further windfall tax on these no. on these firms. And, and those windfall taxes that were announced were tiny anyway. Were sort of... Yeah, yeah, not really significant in compared yeah. compared to these numbers, which are yeah. absolutely colossal. Yeah, but potentially a glimmer of hope on the horizon because that was Tuesday last week. Wednesday last week, um, the news came out about um, a uh, a bill that's been put forward by uh, the Democrats in the US uh, called the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which underneath the, the, the label of being inflation-focused is actually a huge climate change-focused bill. And 
we'll get into the bill, we'll get into the history and we'll get into the, the, the details of it. Um, but the bill really is aimed at energy security, climate investment and deficit reduction. And the argument, the reason why the Democrats or one of the reasons why the Democrats have called it the Inflation Reduction Act is because um, the goal is to bring down the cost of renewable energy massively over the next decade, um, which reduces the cost of overall energy in the US and brings more of the US energy consumption um, to be about the energy produced in the US. Um, And so that has a long-term inflationary reduction effect. And it's been funded by um, corporate tax increases for firms who earn over a billion dollars in profits. And in doing that, Um, It actually reduces the overall deficit long term as well. And this is what the proposal says. And that has also has an impact on reducing inflation. So it's a kind of a double whammy on inflation. That's why it's labeled that. But really, it's a climate change focused bill. It's focused on inflation. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that that came out. We recorded on Tuesday last week, on Wednesday last week, this breakthrough happened on this bill because effectively, we'll go into the, the mechanics of, of, the, of the US political system as far as we know about them because we're <laughs> not experts by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, this is, this is a bill that tries to address all of the things we were talking about last week, yeah. which is fossil fuel re- reduction, yeah. its transition to clean energy, inflation, energy security, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, the history on this is basically that when Joe Biden became president, he 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 wanted to release a, a huge sort of stimulus package called the Build Back Better Plan, which was which was just a, a, a you know three and a half trillion dollars worth of recovery package for the U.S. economy yep. to build back the economy better, but also address things like climate change, things like transition to clean energy, as well as a load of other things, health yep. and social care and all sorts of other things. They package into these massive bills into, yeah. the, into the US. But effectively, that's been that's been negotiated down and down and down. From $3.5 trillion, it went to a $2.2 trillion package, which mm. included $555 billion of climate change and clean energy uh, spending or mm-hmm. or tax incentives yeah, and credits yeah, yeah. and things like this. But we're now at a level where it's the total package is worth $730 billion, so less than a third of what it was originally under the Build Back Better plan. Yeah. And the bit that is is getting the headlines is the climate portion, yeah. which is $370 billion, but it's now branded as climate and energy security. So mm. there's that phrase that we brought up last week. Um but I mean, what we'll go we'll go into it. Yeah. But what's happened is over time, is that this the, the climate portion this is being billed as massive. It's being billed as you know it's the biggest the ever, biggest yeah. ever uh, climate package in the US. But it's fifty percent lower yeah. than it was on the previous turn. Yeah. Um, and the main reason for that is that the way of the, the way that the the Senate in the US, which is loosely our House of Lords in the UK. Yeah. And, and Congress are made up of Republicans and Democrats yeah. and how they have to try and negotiate through these bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and all around this guy called Senator Joe Manchin the third, the third of West Virginia. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about much about one and two, but we can talk about number three. <laughs> His son's called Joe Manchin as well, the fourth. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. We were just chatting before the podcast about how much power is rested in one individual's hand. Um, hands. Um, he's got two hands, um, as, far, as far as I'm aware. Um, but it's it, he's he's the guy who's the who's the representative of West Virginia, which is like a a red wall 
you know, working class um, state in the US, which is largely pro-oil. He is also connected to a lot of oil companies, apparently has weekly meetings with the senior execs of ExxonMobil. And so he's a Democrat, but he's at least a centrist Democrat, um, if not a right centrist uh, Democrat on the political spectrum. And so he's been the linchpin in yeah. getting some kind of compromise and getting this to a point where they think it might get approved now uh, uh, in the Senate. Yeah, well, the, the issue that you've had effectively since since um, Biden came into power is that the, the, the two political houses in the US, so you've got the House, which is the House of Representatives, it's yeah. effectively the equivalent Parliament. of our House of Parliament. The, the Democrats have a have a very, very small majority in there. I think it's like eight or nine seats or yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, so they have a small majority there. So the, if the whole party gets behind bills in, in it, there, they can get them through. But in the Senate, which is effectively the House of Lords, it's elected in the US. Mm. You, senators serve for six years. Yeah. It is split exactly 50-50 yeah. between the Republicans and the Democrats. And the deciding vote, if you like, if there's a 50-50 split on anything, is sat with the Democratic Vice President, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. So for the Democrats to get bills through the Senate, they have to have all of the senators vote in favour of them. And then yep. Kamala Harris has to yep. pass the deciding vote. So this guy, Joe Manchin, is is effectively the one senator that's holding out. I mean, as you say, he's from, he represents West Virginia, which is a deep red state. It's a, yep. it's a Republican state. It's a state where their traditional industry is coal. Yep. He has shares in a coal company, hmm. which is now owned by his son since since he went into politics. The fourth. Joe Manchin the fourth, you know he he by by basically most people's measures is practically a Republican. Yeah, I mean he had a track record of voting it with Trump when Trump was president. Yeah, um, you know he's got the family coal business. He's also received the most donations from the fossil fuel industry versus any other senator. In fact, twice as much as the senator who received the second most donations mm-hmm. from the from the fossil fuel in- industry. He's a member of the NRA. Mm. He's an anti-abortionist. I mean, this guy without a Democrat... Sounds like a Republican to me. He sounds like a rep- Republican. And as you say, he's he's has a weekly meeting with ExxonMobil. So this guy is has been the blocker yeah. for this for this bill, which includes a huge, as I say, the biggest package on climate change ever delivered in the US. Mm. He's been the blocker. It's had to be negotiated through. The big surprise last week was that everybody thought this deal was dead. They've been trying to get it through since 2021. They looked like they'd hit a wall on it. And then last minute, it came through that that effectively this bill got through and that um, Manchin and the Democrat leader in the Senate had come to a, a deal to uh to get this this through yep yeah it's uh he's it, probably the guy with the most uh power on climate change in the world right now this is the biggest climate change bill in the US ever and therefore probably the biggest in the world ever yeah and it's all rested on on one guy and his opinion and whether he think, thinks it will get through and, and, and what's in there. And that's why the climate angle has been watered down a bit, it's still massive and still very, very important. And why there's other parts of the bill which are kind of pro-traditional industries, traditional energy industries. Well, it's, I mean, it's a tra- it, the whole thing's a trade-off, isn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, if you just look at the, the headline numbers, the original bill was $555 billion yeah. into climate change. Um, this one is 370, 369. Because of this one guy, yeah. <laughs> effectively, it could have been fifty percent higher than it is now. Yeah, 
if if he had backed the original bill. Yeah. Except it's just been negotiated down and down. Still massive. Yeah. And and I think this just highlights that these political you know, these political acts, these 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 to get change through the political <clears throat> process in any country, but this is, you know, in yeah. America, is just slow. Mm. It involves compromise. It involves watering things down. It involves bringing people from, you know, different yeah. sides together. Yeah. You know, so even in this bill, there's a lot in there that's good for big oil, yep. for, for the fossil fuel companies. You know, there's, there's about, there's bits in there about, uh, you know, not expanding renewables unless there's new leases for yep. oil and oil and gas exploration and all this type of thing. So, yep. And there's still there's still bits in it, you know, about um, oil and gas exploration and production in Alaska, the Gulf of Mexico. They're opening up new uh, new natural gas reserves that they weren't before. That's been kind of put into the deal in order to get it over the line, which is what compromise is in yeah. you know, political systems. Yeah. It's it's kind of logical, but it's just amazing that one guy who is in the lap of the oil lobby, yeah. you know, which we'll come back to a little bit, you know, later, and how powerful that lobby is in the U.S. specifically. Um, the fortunes of the really the entire world's kind of climate change future have rested with this one guy and yeah. the people that are behind him. Yeah, I mean, most most sort of um, you know pro pro doing something about climate change groups have come out in support of this because yeah. the message is effectively this is a big this is a big lot of money that's going into this issue. Yeah, okay, it's not perfect, and there's compromises and there's other bits in there, but effectively we can't wait. Yeah, we can't wait to to get the perfect deal. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't give anything. You know, we can't say that we're never going to concede anything to oil and fossil fuels. Yeah. And we just need to move to get this transition moving yeah. quicker. And um, yeah, like we said in, pre- in previous episodes, we do need them on side. We do need those companies on side and and and, and all singing from the same hymn sheet. And in order to get that done, it's going to be a little bit slower than the ones that are so pro-climate change want it to be. But it is definitely a mark of progress if it gets through the Senate, which we'll see later this month. Yeah. So the, the 370 billion package, let's just talk a little yeah. bit about what that might actually do because you go back to when we talked about the uh, the heat wave special and and in looking at things through the lens of what effect do they have on yeah. climate change is the key to this is 370 billion 369 billion dollars is is what grabs the headline yeah. but but what is the actual expected impact on yeah. on emissions mm-hmm. uh, in the US so the aim of this and the headline is that it would put the US on a path of a 40% reduction Mm-hmm. in uh, greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Now, Biden's target when he came in was 50%. Mm-hmm. Now, that may, 50% may sound like a big number, but that was just enough, effectively. If, yeah. if everyone had done the equivalent, that keeps you on the 1.5 degree, uh, no more than 1.5 degree warming target just about. Yeah. So this doesn't quite hit that level, mm-hmm. um, but, it's, but it maybe just gets you closer towards it. Yeah, at least to doing something because... It- at the moment, I think the current plan is that they're on about a twenty percent reduction path. Yeah, this gets them to yeah. a forty percent reduction yeah. path. So it's yeah. you know it's a massive step in the right direction, if not all the way that we want it to be. Yeah, and I think you know in the, the you know practically how does it how does it sort of work? You know, there's, there's it's basically tax credits and incentives, isn't <laughs> yeah. it, for companies to yeah. deliver green energy. Uh, yeah, schemes basically. Yeah, there's two, there's two main components and loads of little sub areas that are quite interesting. You know, the first one is it's tax incentives, credits, and reductions for companies for them to produce, adopt, invest in wind, solar, geothermal, battery. You know, the whole suite of renewable energy. There's also a, a, it's minor a component part of it, but there's some financial incentives to open up 
nuclear nuclear power plants that have been closed. So yeah. we mentioned nuclear in the in the previous episode. We'd like to see uh, a bit more bold action there. This is not bold action. It's mentioned, but all the all the focus is on the other areas of renewable energy. So that's the first major bit is the tax incentives for companies. There's also that's about sixty billion of it. Yeah. Um, there's about nine billion in household incentives for that. So that's electric vehicle adoption, household yeah. energy efficiency. Again, incentives, credits, etc. Just things like there's a seven and a half thousand dollar credit against buying an electric vehicle. Exactly. For that was that was the that was the original credit which really boosted the adoption of Teslas back in the day, which was yeah. this seven thousand five hundred dollar credit. So they've extended that, rolled that out. There's about sixty billion in commitments um, for climate change infrastructure and investment that into into communities that are disproportionately affected by um, by climate change. So that's communities where people of color are more are more represented, working class communities. So that's a that's a huge positive step. Something the final thing I'll highlight is there's a twenty seven billion dollar uh, effectively green infrastructure bank that's been that's been set up yeah. from it, which I think is quite an interesting thing that's that was muted a little bit um, in the in the not the last election in the UK but the election before. Um, um, on Corbyn's side, actually, um, there was a guy working for Corbyn called Richard Murphy that talked talked about people's quantitative easing via an infrastructure bank for climate change investments. So I'm not saying they've copied that guy, um, <laughs> but it was a, it was a very similar proposal. But that's basically you know building infrastructure uh, across the US, which is sorely needed if you speak to anybody who lives in the US, um, but doing so in an energy efficient way, which is a which is a really positive step. Um, and there's 20 billion climate friendly agriculture investment as well. So there's there's a lot of really positive and meaningful um, meaningful uh, investment amounts and investment areas that are going into it. Um, and the, and what what I think we like the most about it is it frames the climate change um, debate and, and situation in terms of producing abundant, cheap, renewable energy for energy use and yeah. for energy production, as opposed to going, we have to reduce something, you have to change your life, you're going to have to, you're going to lose something, which never works from a negative framing perspective. So it frames it really positively, and it frames it again about energy security and building the long-term yeah. future of the US, which you could call it branding, you could call it positioning, whatever you want, but it's needed in order to get at least the general American public on board with what they're doing. So I think that's a really positive way of framing it and attaching it to inflation kind of attacks what we were talking about last week, which was the old school asset management industry saying, don't focus on these things, focus on inflation instead. Well, now they're actually combining the two. You're focusing on climate change, you're focusing on sustainability issues, um, but you're doing it uh, in the lens of tackling long-term inflation. So putting them together and wedding them together is a is a positive frame, and I think that people can get behind. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we said before, you know, most of the most of the sort of uh, climate change activist groups have come out in general support of it. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of negative points that that have been been raised. Stuff stuff like, um, you know. There's tax credits in there for carbon capture. Capture. Yeah. Um, you would you would think on the face of it that That's would a be a good thing. thing. Yeah. But what they're saying there is that you know it could give an excuse to extend the life of, of mm. you know coal plants and uh, you know sort of increase pollution because yeah. if you can if you can just capture some carbon over here whilst you're whilst you're producing it over here in a dirty way then then you know that that may be a negative. Yeah. Um, you see that actually. I mean, you see some of the big oil companies, the ones that are not investing in renewable energy themselves, but they're investing heavily in carbon capture, which presents as we're doing something about the problem. Yeah. But really the critique of that is, well, you just continue to do whatever you were doing before and just, and just sorting it out after. You're yeah. not really changing anything, yeah. really. That's the critique. Yeah. And you're sort of outsourcing the, yeah. the, 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 the bringing your emissions down. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, as we said before, there's, there's, uh, 
there's a requirement for the government to offer up parts of the Gulf of Mexico and Alaska for, mm. for gas exploration. There's um, and and there's this requirement, this weird requirement for to, for uh, more, you need to have more oil and gas leasing mm. in order to uh, produce new wind and solar projects, or for order, in order for them to be approved. In other words. You know, there's a there's a bit of a one for you, one for me type thing yeah. in there for yeah. for the old industries. So, um, and and yeah, I mean, the the other thing is this is getting all the headlines, but it's not a done deal yet. No, it's no. not. It's not. It's not over the line. Yeah. It's not signed and sealed. The Democrats need to turn up, and they all need to vote in favor of it when they turn up. And there's there's a, there's a couple of key swing voters that haven't really declared their hand yet. So yeah. we might all be getting excited about nothing. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully all the Democrats turn up and vote in because it will be a huge step forward if they do. Yeah. And, and I read somewhere as well that there's a risk of the, the filibuster thing as well, where someone yeah. takes up all the time that's been given. You know, it's a weird thing. All the underhand tactics yeah, that they'll so, try to, uh, you know, to not get it through. <laughs> but it's 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 this 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 mansion hurdle, if you like, has been has been what's blocking any form of deal that looks anything like this since yeah. since 2021. Yeah, and there was a big surprise that effectively that got that got through. Yeah, um, and. You know, I just think it's amazing still, though, that if you if you do those numbers, that you know this bill in its current form gets you from from a twenty five percent reduction or twenty twenty five percent reduction to a roughly forty percent reduction. Yeah. And if he hadn't if he hadn't blocked the initial one, you might have been talking about a you know a yeah a, we're back on the path more like fifty percent, right yeah. which was the target. Yeah. Um, you know, and I still think that still put this into context that. Effectively, it gets you down forty percent. So, takes your two from your two thousand and five emissions of six and a half billion tons down to about three point nine. Uh, if they'd done nothing, it would have been about four point nine. Mm. So, they've taken take one. They've taken a billion ton of difference from yeah. what they would have would have done. Which, yeah. if you go back to the the big number from the the, the heatwave special, the big number is fifty one billion. Yeah. So they've taken a, an extra billion off that fifty one. Yeah. Um, and it could have been maybe, maybe another, maybe another bit, half another a billion bill, yeah. or another billion or something like that. So, and they've still got four billion tons of emissions every year to deal with. So, yeah. this, if this all goes to plan, and obviously the risk is as well that you know what happens after the the twenty twenty four elections? Yeah, is Joe Biden still in power? Yeah. It doesn't seem likely. Yeah. Is Trump back in where? And he does he do what he did to Obama's climate change legislation where he just Rips it all Rips up. It up. Starts again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, remains to be seen. But the, I mean, the, the reaction to it has been relatively predictable. You know, Democrats, by and large, completely for it. Republicans completely against it. Um, and Republicans saying that it's going to be actually inflationary, not inflation reduction. Yeah. And that we should just focus on natural gas. The, the one reaction that I didn't think was typical was the current CEO of ExxonMobil, Darren Woods, came out and said that the bill is a step in the right direction, yeah. which I think is quite interesting. Um, and what we intended this week is for this episode of the podcast to be part one of a, of a two-part series. Um, and the second part, which we'll discuss um, in more detail next week, is about big oil and the impact specifically that ExxonMobil have had on the debate over the past few decades and how they've ended up leading us to the situation that we're in today and this Inflation Reduction Act getting passed through or not passed through, but how it's even still being debated to this day and the yeah. framing of the debate. Yeah, so so next week we'll we'll do part two where we'll look at this this relationship between big oil and politics and the effect on on climate change, and we'll also go into more detail about 
what this bill means for you as a long-term impact investor and just sort of explore the whole topic in a bit more detail from an investment point of view. Yeah. So we'll be back next week uh, with part two. And thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk. And this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast.